0: Take your Bibles from Matthew 19 and go ahead and stand with me. We'll get right to it tonight. Just a short devotional thought. In the class I'm teaching, the 56-year-old class, we are doing a very short series on the idea of social connectedness and the importance of allowing God's grace not only to work in us, but to work through us and impact the lives of other people. And so I've done the third lesson today, and I'm going to borrow from a thought that I think many of the adult Bible classes did uh, a couple of months ago on the idea of you know, having Christ's love in us. And so a short thought tonight, I'll, I think I'll be close to being finished by the time we normally get out here. So in Matthew chapter 19 verse number 13, just a launching point for the devotional thought tonight. The Bible says, Then were there brought unto Him little children, that He should put His hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not. He said, to come unto me for of such is the Kingdom of Heaven. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the night. And Lord, the music tonight was extraordinary. Lord, it lifted our hearts. So glad to participate in that. Lord, I'm grateful that Eastland as a church has a heart for missions. Lord, we're trying to make a difference around this globe to obey the Great Commission. Lord, to demonstrate as a church family our love, Lord, for people because of Christ. And Lord, I pray you continue to bless our missions program as we endeavor to reach the world, Lord, for you. And, and, and then, Lord, tonight I ask we just consider this simple thought that we, we might demonstrate your love to others, Lord, in this church and, Lord, outside of it, Lord, by being more approachable, by being people who care about others. And I, and I ask for your help with this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing. Tonight, just for a few moments, I want us to consider one of the characteristics of Christ's love, one of the ways that He manifested love, and that He showed it to other people. And it has to do with meeting a need, I suppose it's a felt need, that every single one of us have and can appreciate. But while we have this need, we're, we're really not always good at maybe providing it for others. And, and that need would be uh, the need for attention, The need for someone to care about us, to pay attention to us, to demonstrate, uh, you know, some kind of love and and care for us. If you and I were to inventory our feelings and past memories tonight, I think most likely all of us would have a memory of being left out. Of not being included, not being a part, of somehow attending some function and finding yourself on the out or being marginalized there. Maybe not intentionally, but just because you're new or whatever else. Uh, Some of us may be in the last ones picked, you know, for some kind of sports uh, activity. But I think all of us understand the feeling of being somewhat marginalized. We as humans are highly sensitive to feeling ignored, um, you know, ostracized, and alienated. There's a part inside every single one of us that desires to feel apart. When we go to a new place, you know, we, we want to feel welcome. I know we have new people here tonight. I, I'm so grateful uh, that God would uh, honor us with guests here. And, and my, my prayer has always been that when new people come into Easton, that they're welcome, that someone talks to them, they are greeted. And I hope every single one of us here uh, don't assume that someone else is doing that. I hope when people come and if you know that they're new that you would play an active role in making them feel welcome. If you just think back to the first time that you came, and, and how sometimes difficult it is to walk into a new building with new people, uh, That I pray that you would help us with that endeavor is to make people feel welcome. We, we want that. We desire that. We want to be greeted. We want to be invited. And we want to be included in what other people are doing. This desire is innately hardwired into every one of us. We have within us this need for fellowship, uh, for inclusion, for someone to pay attention to us. You know, simply, I can say it simply this way, people need people. And we are our best when we are surrounded by people. Well, there's a longing in our hearts that ultimately for fellowship that only God can provide. But the truth is we can make a difference. When we love people, we care about people, we pay attention to them, it makes a difference in the lives of other people. Researchers at Purdue University devised a very simple experiment, you probably heard about this in Sunday school class some months ago, testifying to this God-created need Within each and every one of us, and how we feel and how we react when we are excluded from an activity. There's this game called Cyberball, and it's a simple computer game, and it's somewhat simple and innocuous, I guess, when it's played, and I, I think it's unoffensive in every way. And it goes like this: three people are playing this game remotely online. And what they do is just a simple game of catch. I I, I throw this cyberball at you, then you throw it to me, then we throw it to the other person, and they're just kind of this triangle um, of you know pitch and catch with cyberball. Well, the game starts with this virtual ball being volleyed back and forth with a fairly equitable distri- distribution, you know, so it's going back and forth, and everyone's kind of playing fairly. But over the course of just a few minutes, one person is slowly Excluded or marginalized as the other two people uh, become more inclusive in tossing this cyberball back to one another. Well what researchers discovered was that the person who was beginning to be excluded and left out began to experience anxiety. Okay? I mean literally they became anxious because they weren't being paid attention to in this game that was being played online. And this is what is really fascinating. A region of the brain was activated that is associated with physical pain. So the anxiety wasn't just emotional or mental, it was something that was felt, if you will, in the heart. Now, I want us to think about that. Suffering, physical pain, and rejection share the same common root in the brain physical pain and rejection they share a commonality in our brain it's a real human hurt and i can assure you that root is found also in the heart rejection exclusion and hurt leaves an indelible impression in our hearts and in our mind as well as our memories all of us have what's termed a of drive desire for social connectedness. And it doesn't take much rejection for that to become activated and for us to feel pain. You know, if we are, it's an old word, if we are snobbed by someone, we don't feel apart. then there's a real pain of deprivation that occurs within us. I know that because I know Jesus experienced that. Jesus knew what it was to be ostracized, to be rejected. He knew what it was to feel this pain in His heart of other people not expressing love from Him. If you think about it, when Jesus came into His public ministry, first of all the religious establishment rejected Him. They, they had they wanted no part in Him. If you really read the text closely in the New Testament, His own family rejected Him. There was a time when they thought He was crazy. They tried to stop Him from His public ministry. They, they rejected Him. He felt the pain for a time of His own brothers, half-brothers, uh, of, of not wanting Him to do what God called Him to do. Um, He was rejected, as we all know, by the very people who followed Him for a while. When Jesus went to the cross, even the people who once followed Him rejected Him and marginalized Him. And, of course, the ultimate rejection that Jesus felt was on the cross when He cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? And it was the most difficult moment of agony that Jesus experienced on the cross. But Jesus, He didn't act that way. Jesus was approachable. Jesus loved people. He gave attention to everyone. And that word, it resonates with me, approachable. Um, As a pastor of a church, um, I'm trying to connect with people. It's my heart to do so. All of us are busy, but it is my desire that in my position um, that I'm approachable. I want people to feel like they can come say hi or talk to me if they have a need. I, I want to be perceived as approachable. I... I have a real appreciation for people who look approachable. You know, uh, okay, for everyone who's folding their arms, don't do that just for a second. You know, this, you know, when you're, you're kind of like this, yeah, it sends a signal. Or, you know, when you, when you have a, a, a mouth that goes this way, or, you know, we, we can put that, you guys know what I'm talking about? You, you all seen that in, in people. We all, we, we all know what it is to have a yes face and then a don't get near me or talk to me face. And, and those are very different things. But Jesus was amazingly, as, as a text, even the little children, they just kind of naturally came to the Lord. Jesus made it a deliberate purpose of His life to reach out to people who specifically felt ostracized, who felt rejected, not a part. The Bible says this way, Jesus was a friend of sinners. And by that just not implying evil people, but people who were rejected. I mean, he, he, he went to everyone. Jesus was willing to go to um, uh, the lepers, who were obviously socially rejected. He, he went to the people of ill repute um, to befriend them. Uh, he, he had no hesitation in being a, a pr- approachable. He was a friend to tax collectors, to the publicans, to society's outcasts. And in our text line, he and, and this was the social custom, but he was even willing to be approached by children. Which was seen beneath the role of a rabbi or teacher. He was accessible to everyone. As a matter of fact, he was so approachable. The only people he made feel uncomfortable were the religious establishment, who themselves were unapproachable. You know, old word we heard when we were kids. I mean, when I was a kid, the snob. Remember that? He or she's a snob. Everybody else to hear that besides me. A snob is a person who believes that there is a correlation. Between social status and human worth, a snob is a person who believes there's a correlation between social status and human worth. In other words, if you know you're doing better in life, well, then you deserve my, my attention. That is absolutely not the way Jesus Christ operated. Jesus didn't make that distinction. Jesus brought this way of behaving out in his parables. He 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 made it something he wanted his followers to see and to avoid. There was a time when Jesus was invited to a social religious elite um, to his house. His name was Simon, and Simon was a man who had um, some pull in society. But when Jesus went there, he received, if you know the story, a very cool reception. Simon didn't really greet him. There was no customary uh, you washing the feet and and doing things that would have been, uh, you know, something that should have happened and. He was dismissed really in every way. But in the midst of this rejection, a lady walks in, Mary Magdalene. She was a lady of ill repute or had been. And she burst into the room and she wept and she poured oil on Jesus' feet. Jesus brought this sinner's act and attention to Simon and basically saying, Simon, you are you're a man who's supposed to know God, you're rich, you have religion, but you, you show me no kindness. You weren't approachable. You, you didn't love me. But this woman, this woman you reject, she's accepted me, she's loved me, she's shown me a kindness. In other words, he's saying this, Simon, you, you judge society by the wrong standards, but I look at people and I just see their heart. I wonder when you and I look at people, what are we looking at? Do we, you know, we, we just see the face? we see the clothes? Do we see you know, how much are they like me or not? Or do we just look at people and say, that's a person. That's someone made in the image of Christ. They're worth loving. They're worth meeting. They're worth spending time with. They're worth investing in. They're worth me getting to know. If, I'll tell you this, if someone's a part of this church, they're worth getting to know. If the Lord's going to entrust us with anyone here, you better invest in them, too, if he's investing in them. That, that is something we cannot ever lose sight of. Your world, and I know all of us have friends in this inclusion, but we have, we have to have ever-enlarging borders and boundaries to accept other people. Simon excluded, but Jesus included. So, you know, the question is, what keeps us from being more approachable or maybe deliberately approaching other people? Well, you know, I, I'm sure there are some arguable insecurities that some of us may have. There may be some emotional hurts, um, you know, or maybe we're just, that's just, we're, we have a different personality. Maybe we're just not thinking and are absent-minded. But often boils down to this, sometimes we're just selfish. Sometimes we just have too much pride or indifference. I can say it this way, we could all use a greater dose of humility and love. And uh, I think we would be, we'd have more of the love of Christ if we did that. You know, if nothing else, what ought to motivate us to go and make a new friend or meet someone else or be approachable is the fact all of us, again, know what it feels like when people don't approach us. There's something in the Bible that goes like this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you walk into a church for the first time, um, you would want some kind of reception. Not, and I know there are people who come in, and, and today's culture is very different. People want privacy and all that. But even then, we want people to acknowledge us and smile at us and, and know that we're there. We we can do better here. Um, it should be enough to realize that we are ambassadors in Christ's stead, and, and that is to make a difference. And, and the biggest aim of reconciliation, which was the religious theological uh, motive for Christ to come and die on the cross was reconnecting God and people in a relationship, and we need to be part of the same. People need people. In, in the Sunday School class I taught this, this morning, I made this case, grace is something that transforms us. The Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. It wasn't his heritage, it wasn't his intellect, it wasn't, you know, his elite religious status for a while as a Pharisee. It wasn't the things that he did or that he knew. The Apostle Paul said this, I am what I am by the grace of God. That was the most defining characteristic of his life. That's what shaped him and moved him and made him what he was. But Paul not only had the grace of God work in him, what made Paul so extraordinary is that the grace of God worked through him. He was a conduit of grace. He received God's grace. It transformed him. It changed him. It made him what he was. But what was he? He was a man who loved other people. His mission was to reach out to others, to be approachable, and for other people to be approached by him. And so tonight, I just want to challenge you with this thought. How can we, as a church family, when new people walk in, or even out in the world where you work, how can we be more effective salt and light? How can we be more approachable? And I'm going to play the part of Captain Obvious here for a second. First thought is this. Look that way. If you want to be more approachable, look that way. You all know what I, when I say the word countenance, everybody knows what I mean by countenance? You know, there's people who have a pleasant countenance, and there's people who have something other than a pleasant countenance. Everyone here has a pleasant countenance. If you want, if you, if you want to make a difference in people's lives, then you have to be approachable enough for them to engage you. And, You know, one of the simplest ministries we can have is just being approachable when we come here. If someone looks like they need help, when they look your direction, you're looking back at them. That you you look like you're receptive, like that you're open, like that you you actually would be willing if they approach you to help them. You need to look that way. There's a phrase we call the yes face. A yes face. We, We had a whole series on this, you know, years and years ago, attempting to have a yes face. People approached Jesus because He was approachable. Yeah, I I think about it, here's the Creator God in the form of a human, the one who made all of us. And yet when children saw Him, these people saw Him, they wanted to be close to Him. They weren't excluded by His awesomeness and His power and His might and His majesty. Because it had to come out in, in so many ways. He looked that way. He looked unmenacing, like life wasn't about a challenge. He appeared kind and interested. Um, I don't know in the culture of that time that he smiled in the way that our culture might smile. But I know this in the world we live in, a smile says yes. A smile says I'm, I'm, I'm approachable. Um, the word approachable in the Greek... It means is parisia, and it can be translated plainness in speech. In other words, it means accessible and easy to understand. An approachable person is easy to understand. Oh, they're nice. I can see it. They're, they're kind. Like Ben. He's, he's looking at me and he's, he's approachable. But perhaps the best way of defining approachable is with, in our culture today, a simple smile. A simple smile. Studies show that people think they already know someone if that person smiles at them. Have I met you somewhere? No, I'm just smiling at you. (laughs) I love that. Even a fleeting smile has a capacity to burrow deep into subconsciousness of another person who sees it, and it sets off positive changes within them. For example, a smile of just a mere four thousandths of a second. I don't know if I can even smile that fast. Um, This is what researchers call subliminal priming, is enough to produce a mini emotional high in other people. People's dopamine levels go up when someone smiles at them. Think about it, you're eliciting a biological, physiological response in someone else by just being nice. That's a positive thing. It makes people see things around them in a more positive light. Boring material becomes more interesting. A nondescript picture seems to have more flair. Indeed, researchers have found that some foods even taste better when preceded by a subliminal smile. So if your waitress or waiter smiles at you, they're hoping the meal is better for you. And what's more, these expressions are contagious. In one study, when participants were exposed to these smiles, even though they couldn't remember seeing them, their own faces mirrored what they saw. I feel a hobby horse coming, but you know, I, I feel such incredible gratitude for the music ministry here at Easton Baptist Church. I, last Sunday's choir special was electric. This morning was fantastic. And then tonight was just over the top. It is so good. There's, there's a number of things that made that exceptional to me. One was just the music, the kind of music that it was. But what really made it special was the way that it was sung. And so at one point I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm realizing I'm, I'm probably smiling great big and could look silly because I'm looking at people up here smiling great big with a little bit of passion and like they cared about what they were doing. That's a ministry. When you sing and you have that countenance, you, you are changing people's hearts. You're impacting it. And even if in the moment you're giving them a chance to grow from that, it's incredibly important. And, 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 and some of us do it more naturally and some need a little more discipline to do it. But looking approachable, having a simple smile. Jesus was awesome, but he was kind in that way. Second, we can be more approachable by looking for people who are left out. Jesus was constantly doing this. He was even willing to ca- cross the sea To find a single ostracized man in society because obviously he was possessed by a devil, but Jesus brought him back into the family of God. I think this could be an intentional ministry of every member of the church. Um, Just because you don't currently know someone doesn't mean that you can't get to know them. And so, um, just straightforward, some of you need to drop your pretense and be friendlier. Just drop your pretense. You know, some of us just need to get over ourselves. And um, I know we all have a modicum of dignity and whatever else. But a lot of us could just be nicer. And you could look for someone. It's really easy to find people who left out because they're left out. Right. So you walk out in the foyer, you can spot them. You can, you can see people like that. And often, and I understand, I totally understand, a man who has friends must show himself friendly. But sometimes there's just inhibitions that are hard for people who are new to get over So go ahead and help them get over it by being kind and nice to them. Look for people like that. And you say, well, they've got lots of friends. You don't know that. There are people who look very approachable, but they could be as as lonely as could be. We assume sometimes that everyone has social connectedness, but that's not necessarily true. Even someone who may be talking to numbers of people may not have any deep, meaningful relationships. The vast majority of people... In America do not have, honestly, one single close friend. What a ministry that would be to help someone fill that void. Look for people who are left out and be a part of that. And just be accepting. Jesus loved people, all kinds of people, and, and we, can, we can too. Um, and and there's a phrase I used when I taught some lessons several weeks ago. That means you might have to just swerve out of your lane a little bit to make a connection with someone. I know we all have pathways, you know, that we like to travel. We go from here to there to there and out. But part of being a member of a church is not just being here for you. I need you to be here for me. I need you to be here for the other person. Well, they've been here for 10 years. You're still making a giant assumption by thinking they have the social connections they may want. Why don't you just find out for sure? Anybody who might be new here, make sure they feel welcome and greeted. It is important that we have the love of Christ. And this is obviously one of my coaching thoughts. It's, it's part of what I want to be the fabric of Easton Baptist Church. And we are, we need to be an incredibly approachable church membership. It'll make a difference, all right? Let me ask you to stand tonight.